Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Astanis? And what the fuck, Anesians? What the fuckables? All right, that's enough. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me here in the garage, which is where I am testing out my new AC heat unit on my roof that I ran a pipe into the garage with that doesn't seem to be kicking enough cool air out here. And I already gave away my other unit. Whatever. I'll deal with that in a minute. Today on the show, a couple, another couple, Nick Offerman, Megan Mullally, I'm no good with L's. I have rolling L's. It takes a lot to say Megan Mullally's name because I do my L's from my throat. Let's not discuss my speech impediment now that I've brought it to your attention, probably again for some of you. Before we get into the show, a couple of things. I would like to tell everyone in Minneapolis that I will be at Acme this week, March 8th through 10th, Thursday through Saturday at the Acme Comedy Club. My return to the Acme Comedy Club couldn't be more excited. On that, this Sunday, March 11th, I will be at South by Southwest doing a live WTF one-on-one with Jeffrey Tambor. That's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I believe it's at Esther's Follies. Have no idea how one gets into that. I don't know how South by Southwest works. I have no. I fly in. I go where I'm supposed to go. It's a big clusterfuck of a something. I have no idea how anyone gets anywhere, what the pass situation is or ticket situation. They have let in fans in the past. Can't guarantee anything. Not sure. You have to look into that. March 15th, I will be live at the Gilda's Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, If you want to check out more about that, you can go to laughfestgr.org. I'll also be doing a live WTF at Gilda's Laugh Fest on March 17th. That's stand-up on the 15th, live WTF on the 17th with... Tommy Jonigan, Drew Hastings, Kevin Nealon, and Alan Zweibel, and perhaps Jim Gaffigan. And also, there's a long tease. March 23rd and 24th, I'll be at uh, the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana. Moving on, I'm fucking at the edge of my sanity a little bit. I'm a little bit uh, trigger happy. For all of you people who were worried about my peace of mind destroying the show, or perhaps happiness pervading my being to a point where those of you who are interested in me will become uninterested in me. I don't think that that's going to happen. I am, I am frazzled. Something is going on. I did have a great time in Miami. And as much as I say about South Florida or Florida in general, are you going to deny to me that that place is nothing but a fucking freak show? And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't know why people think that I give Florida a bad rap just because I canceled a gig in Tampa. It was not specifically to do with the people of Florida. I just generally don't think that I have a lot of people there. But I was proven wrong. A few hundred WTFers showed up at the Colony Theater at the South Beach Comedy Festival, and we had a great time, and I appreciate that happening. I just acknowledge the truth of Florida. It's a freak show, and if you're going to deny that, you're, you're worse than a freak. You're out of your mind. So what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. 
uh, Jessica moved into my house. It's official. So within hours of that becoming official, I became an official asshole. I don't know how it happened. Maybe it's it's cutting both ways. I'm not sure. We moved her stuff in. That was an awkward uh, bit of business. She was at work, and, and this is where I'm at. I'm the guy moving my chick stuff in to, to my house while she's at work. So I got to go to her apartment, which I've maybe been to twice, which I think she's been to a few more times than that. That was basically her safe house and my, I don't know how to phrase it, insurance policy. I, I wanted her to keep that apartment because you never know when shit is going to hit the fan. And when you say, please get the fuck out of my house, you want them to have someplace to go. Or if she said, I'm fucking done with this, I'm going to the apartment that I barely live in. She had someplace to go. But now that's gone and I had to go over there and remove the last few artifacts, the last few pieces of her life into a truck and bring it to this storage unit that I got us. Yeah, I got us a storage unit. I, I got a huge one. Because I, I thought I'd need it for both of our stuff. And I think I'm going to need it for both of our stuff. But I think that there was some some part of my brain thought, well, well, I better get one big enough for in case if shit doesn't work out, she could, you know, live in the storage unit. I Obviously, I wouldn't expect that. But I think uh, given the size of the storage unit, there was some part of me that thought like, well, she could probably live here for a couple of days if necessary. But the deed is done. She is in my house and something has happened because I, I, uh, God, I woke up. Compromise is no easy thing, man. But I can't stay mad at this girl anymore. We've been through enough shit that I can't stay mad at her. You, you know, I, I, I'm, I built a wall where there wasn't a wall to finish this room so I could create a shelving unit in hopes that she will put her shit away. We'll see what happens. And I'm not judging her and I'm not judging women in general. I just find that this is the first time that I've been willing to kind of suck it up and uh, be a good person in a relationship. It doesn't mean it's not rocky. I mean, we've been officially living together for about a week and I've already we've already had a fight about that. For some reason, when it locks into your head, the fear kicks in and already there was one of those fights that was yeah, that ended with like, well, maybe you don't want to live here. Not... But she's been living here. I mean, she doesn't go. She hasn't been going to that apartment. It just wasn't official. The apartment still existed. The safe house, the insurance policy, the fallback was always there. Now it's gone. And all of a sudden, everything is black and white. I'm like, well, if you're going to do this, then I don't know if we can fucking do this. It's just ridiculous. And I got these headaches in the back of my head that are running through my shoulders. I got to get to some meetings. I got to let some stuff go. This has got to work. You know, I'm one of these people. I was down in Florida. I was talking to my friend Dave Stebbins, who opened for me. And I said, I don't know what's going on with me, man. I, I, I am feeling better. I don't feel, I don't have as much dread. I don't look as far into the future as I used to. Maybe I have a tumor. Who the hell frames it like that? It's the same thing with love. When I talk to Megan Mullally and I talk to Nick Offerman about how they met and about the love that they have and sitting there crossing them. When people fall in love that they think it's joy and it's wonderful and that's the way it should be. I'm in love or I love somebody and I'm like, I'm fucked. It's over. What have I gotten myself into? Love. What have I got myself into? Love is in the house. What have I gotten myself into? I hope I can fit love in this storage unit because there's going to come to a, a point where I'm going to be up to my neck in love and I'm going to want it out. 
I must love her because I went to a party with her uh, last night. And I, I don't go out much. I socialize with very few people. I see a couple of comics. Sometimes I'll go to a, a function of some sort, but I'm not. I'm more of a homebody, you know, cook some food up, sit around, fester, fester with her by myself. I've got a few people that I fester with, but I don't go out that much. I should go out more. Last night, we went to Scott Conan's restaurant, which was great. It was uh, it it was awesome. It was the second time we went there. I don't think I can go there again unless I take out a loan. But uh, but it was really pretty uh, pretty great. And then I agreed with her to go to a party because it came down to this weird thing. You know what happens when you're in a couple? It's like, well, you want to go do that, but I don't want to go do that. Yeah, I thought we were going to hang out tonight, but you got to go do that. It's going to take all night. So I guess I'll just make my own plans then, or else we could both go do this, and then I'll go over there with you. So I go to this party. Yeah, I I don't know her friends that well, but it was supposed to be a party. It was at an apartment. There was about eight people there. Two of the guys looked way high. I had not walked into a room of an an apartment that was a two-room apartment that had just been moved into. There was a big screen set up, and there was a Megadeth concert playing on it. There was like four people on the couch, two guys at the table that if, if there was a picture of what Stoned looked like, they should have been it. So she wants to hang out and have a couple drinks and talk to her friends. I want to leave immediately. But I'm trying to be the good boyfriend, so I sit there like the old man in the room. That's the other thing i got to start really accepting is that I walk in there, and I'm sure they were probably like, oh, man, whose dad is that? But I've never had this feeling in my life where I'm sitting in a room full of people, bong is being passed around, drinks are being had, people are talking to each other, and I'm watching a Megadeth concert with the sound off while some other music plays. And the only thing I'm thinking is, why don't they just turn on the Megadeth video and, and let me watch this? Because I don't think I can talk. And they did not do that. So I sat there. It was like going back in time. It wasn't a party. It was a bong circle. But it, yeah, she had a good time. And we didn't stay too long. I, let, I became the excuse. Can we go? Grandpa's got to sleep. Ugh. Oh, man. I'm trying. It's going to be fine. I can't seem to stay mad at this person. I think that is the true sign of, of true love is when you yell, you scream, you fight, and then when it's over, you sit, you pout, you brood like a baby for a little while, and then eventually you're like, all right, um, are we going to eat? Damn. I don't know if I'm getting older. This this is working out. I just can't. I can't stay that aggravated. I think I'm exhausted from it. My neck hurts because of it. I know. I definitely think that uh, that she'll, if she really has to, she could probably live at that storage unit for a few days. I'll talk to her about it. I definitely will. I like that painting. There's a, like, I get a lot of fan art now. Like, people send me things of me. Yeah. And it's a little bit weird when people walk into my house and there's a gallery of me. Because, <laughs> you know, they think, like, what's wrong with me? But can you hear okay? Are you yeah, good? Yeah. You can move those things right into your face. Yeah. Yay. Like Megan Mullally, Nick Offerman are here in my house. First three way? So, yeah, it's We're my first three way with uh, actually a man, a woman, and me. We're going to have I've, sex. 
we are. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm prepared for Neither that. I can I can work up Nick to it. Nick and I are going to uh, perform 69 positions. This is going to be the best podcast ever. I've been stretching out since 1130. We're <laughs> 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 getting to that age where we have to do that? I'm just about ready. <laughs> for coitus. <laughs> well, uh, all right. Well, I hadn't prepared for that, but fortunately, I have a sponsor that sells uh, condoms and stuff, so I'm, everything's good. Right on. I, I, I've got toys. They sent me a whole package. Lube. I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> the whole works. I've been lubing all morning, but it's just hinges and stuff. So now, all right, you're you actually do woodwork? I do. Yeah, I, I build uh, furniture and canoes. But it's not like a, a celebrity hobby. You say you have a store that you're actually looking to make some money at this? Well, it's it's a shop. I mean, we have a website, OffermanWoodshop.com, and uh, we just work out of a big warehouse um, by Atwater Village. I know where that is. Close by. Yeah. Um, I got a couple pals uh, that, that work there more full-time now that I'm getting some acting work. But it was a, it was a very big supplement to my income for years. Really? Yeah. So, is, is are you looking at it uh, maybe in the in the in the the long arc of the career that perhaps you'll just end up Absol- working the wood? Absolutely. It's uh, <laughs> that's the retirement plan. That, yeah. That's a, that's it's a some, unique retirement plan. It's something I can do when I'm no longer beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually went on to IMDb to uh, to look at your uh, your pictures and things, and uh, for some reason I associate you you know so deeply with the uh, with the character you play, and you look like him now. But in the pictures, uh, not so much. I mean, I think your character must put on about, what, 10 years, 12 years? I suppose, yeah. And 17 pounds is usually what we go for. <laughs> um, I, I've always enjoyed sort of a Lon Chaney thing. I love to transform as much as possible. Is that a real nose? Uh, this is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is my current nose. <laughs> now, all right. So now I've got this whole story in my mind for the two of you that you have to discredit or, or not. It's probably right. I don't know if it's right, but uh, you are a Broadway person in a lot of ways. Are you not? You come from uh, musical theater? <laughs> yeah. I'm so Broadway. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, like, I've never, I've never talked to anybody that's done musicals, and I'm, I'm, I'm oddly fascinated at that world. Um, you know, I've done, yeah, I've done three Broadway musicals. Why do you say it with shame? I mean... <laughs> well, I, th- I just, uh, I did start out, we both started out in theater. Right. And, um, but I did musicals and plays, and I think Nick mostly did plays. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> but you, what kind of theater did you start out in? You were, you, you were a founding member of a theater group, right? Yeah, uh, the Defiant Theater in Chicago, straight plays, basically. The straight, like it's probably Chicago style, aggressive interpretations. Just only yeah. straight people. Uh-huh. Only, <laughs> only straight people. <laughs> Which is rare for theater. Playing a lot of, we play gay people. But. <laughs> but that's how I kind of pictured it. It's like you come from the trenches of theater, and she comes from the, the lofty dancing part. <laughs> that, that's that's a, sort of accurate. I'm, another interpretation interpretation would be that i come from the basement and she she's just been this a star since she started <laughs> i've clawed my way up for 25 years right well that yeah. is so it's like a beauty and the bee story almost the briar and the rose <laughs> <laughs> but did you were you always in show business when i was in show business in my mind from the time i was like three yeah yeah. Um, yeah, I was I just it just hit me like a ton of bricks and um so I I always wanted to you know shut myself off in my bedroom and make up some dire scenario where I would have a mad scene and then die of love at the end. And you did that alone. Often accompanied <laughs> to music. <laughs> was there, did you come from show business? 
My father was an actor. For reals? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a real actor? He, he was, although he never made it big, but he was a contract player with Paramount in the 50s. So he was on the lot? He was one of those yeah. guys? He was, he was a- on the lot, and like one day they were in the commissary, and a bunch of guys were there, and my father had served in World War II, and Elvis was on another table, and everybody was freaking out, and uh, Elvis called my father over to the table, and, and all the other guys at his table were mad and jealous. And <laughs> um, Elvis asked my father for advice about, he had the option of bowing out of the Korean War, and so he asked my father if he should go to war or if he should bow out and my father said he thought he should serve them in the war and he did <laughs> oh my god so that was your dad yeah that was my dad <laughs> your, that your caused dad's that one to happen that sent elvis to germany <laughs> to sit out the war right right exactly <laughs> i think he dj'd or something he, he got the good outfits though you know there's a lot of pictures yeah. of him in the outfits so did you spend time on the lot as a kid i mean was that part of your I memory wasn't, no i wasn't it was before i was born and okay. then um Shortly after I was born, we moved back to Oklahoma, where my parents were both from. Oh, my God. That's a dramatic retreat from show business. Born in Los Angeles, grew up in Oklahoma City. Had he had enough? Was that the... uh, He had had enough. He was sensitive, and he couldn't handle the rejection and all that. What kind of parts were they giving him? Were they just sort of like, you know, bring in the guy with the thing? He didn't... He got smaller parts, you know, some film and some television, and... And then, you know, like he was in the pilot episode of The Twilight Zone, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, which I've never seen. How could you not have seen it? Well, because, yeah. It's weird. Bad daughter, I guess. (laughs) You could probably get it now. You couldn't get it. You couldn't get it until now you could get anything. I could probably bring it up right now. You could probably, we could watch it. (laughs) And then I'd start crying (laughs) and everything would break down. We we haven't quite (laughs) That is not the scenario we established at the beginning. (laughs) There's no no crying during a threesome. We cry at the end, like Barbara Walters. If she does start crying, yeah. we'll, we'll jump into the 69. And uh, okay, all right. We'll dry those is that tears. What yeah. That's what, that's what yeah. does it for you? Yeah. Yeah. we got a good thing going. Yeah. <laughs> he starts crying. I know it's time. Yeah. But now, he, he never made it big. And then he did some theater and little, you know, kind of commercial things around the Southwest, like in Texas and Oklahoma. I grew up in New Mexico. So I think Oklahoma touches New Mexico at the top. Mm-hmm. The four corners thing where you can go. Mm-hmm. Isn't that? Four, yeah, it, is, it does. Yeah. So was there any apprehension on behalf of your father when you were like, I'm going to be in? Well, my father. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in a ballet company and all that stuff when I was in high school. And my mom was encouraged. You know, she gave me lessons and sort of everything just to like see if anything would stick, you know. Uh-huh. And um, hoping for the best. Yeah. But my. I, my father said, oh, acting is hard, you know, and that kind of thing. But I didn't want to believe that because if you believe that, then you're kind of screwed just starting, you know. No, you, you you can't start bitter. No. Yeah, that's something that has to evolve over time. <laughs> you have to earn it. Yeah, you can't go in bitter from the starting gate. So when so did you do uh, Broadway first? Well, um, I did. Uh, no, actually. I, I kind of pictured myself, you know, from high school. I thought, oh, I'll go to New York and I'll audition for Broadway shows. But my mom talked me into uh, applying to Northwestern and I got I wrote a really super bullshit essay. Yeah, do you remember it? And I got it? accepted. Yeah. Oh, it was just something about, you know, my... I just remember laying on my bedroom floor at like two in the morning and like With shitting it out and thinking, okay, they'll never take this. And then they did. So I had to go. But, um, and then I did a bunch of theater in Chicago and then I moved out here to Los Angeles with a boyfriend who then instantly moved back to Chicago but I already had an out. agent. Yeah, he had a, like a thing with his parents, and I 
he so then I was just here and then I didn't actually get cast in my first Broadway show till I was 34 and I was cast by a guy who I'd known from Northwestern so I was it was in Greece and I was playing a 17 year old (laughs) (laughs) was it fun yeah it was really fun that show was a blast because it was almost everybody in the cast it was their first Broadway show and everybody was so excited and it's not a great show but it's very popular it's show. Greece it's a great yeah, show oh, come on well it doesn't have any real story is come the on. one what problem dancing I mean and the message is she starts out as a really nice girl and she ends up as a whore and yeah. that's when everybody's excited so <laughs> that's, that's not great how is that not a great story well it is uh, you know you're now that you're saying it it is kind of yeah. did you do any excellent. musicals Nick uh, I was in a production of Oklahoma at my high school. <laughs> that was it? Played Judd. Uh, and then re- a few years ago, I was in a musical uh, off-Broadway, but I did not have a singing role. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Just kind of showed up? I, I, pl- I, there, I played a heavy. What were your first film roles uh, for you? Oh, gosh. I had a little part in About Last Night. Um I was I was up for one of the bigger parts, and then I got the small a small part. But I I had to kiss Rob Lowe in one scene, and so that is an ongoing um, source on of levity okay. because Ro- Rob is on Parks and Rec mm-hmm. now with Nick, and um, he kissed me. I did not that. understand because back in the day, like I just saw a brief moment of. Um, What's that Tom Cruise movie where he's a, a fighter pilot or he's a pilot? Top, Top Gun, Top yeah. Gun. Okay, so I just saw a short scene where he and Kelly McGillis are kissing, and it's like the most intense, like open mouth, like French kissing imaginable. So I, it was in that era, like people it's, were doing that. So I thought that's how you did it, and I had a scene where I was supposed to kiss Rob, and so on the first take I did that. <laughs> you just opened your mouth. And I didn't and, even know him. Like yeah, I didn't yeah. even know if we'd met. Uh-huh. And... um and then there was just like this crazy, like you could hear a pin drop silence. Did he freak out? <laughs> <laughs> and the director came over and whispered in my ear, and he was like, about 80% less of the mouth. The kissing. <laughs> well, I think it's like it's telling that uh, mm-hmm. we now know that both uh, Tom and Kelly were overcompensating. So it was not a something that. That was oh, stri- <laughs> it was not a strategic thing <laughs> oh, on their part. It wasn't a a cultural change in the movies. Oh, no. It was more like we got to make this look genuine. <laughs> so okay, so let's go with you, Nick. Now we've got the ba- the ballet and the the movement towards uh, show business. And for some reason, <laughs> I picture you just fighting it out and sweating with a bunch of men trying to put sets together. And- <laughs> And yelling at audiences. Yeah, kind of. I mean, (laughs) my theater company was comprised of a bunch of country folk uh, from central Illinois. Is that where you're from? Yeah. Did you grow up country folkish? Yeah, very much so. Pig farm? Uh, My grandpa had pigs and (laughs) and his two sons. uh, I grew up working on their farm and they had corn and soybeans. Mm -hmm. My uncles still do. Uh, But the pig barn was condemned when I was in high school. Why? (laughs) Uh, I was too old. It had to be. Oh, the building was condemned. Yeah, not the, whatever to, was going on inside. No, <laughs> that's got to be stopped. It was. Uh, <laughs> it had to be burned down by the fire department. It oh. was quite. <laughs> so that was the something. end of the pig yeah. business for your family. Yeah, that was the, the uh, moment they got out of pigs. We uh, <laughs> we stuck with grain. Yeah. After that, um, I don't know. I I, I recently uh, so, some video some eight millimeter footage was unearthed of me at about age 12 at our fishing cabin in minnesota uh where i'm dancing about pointing at myself yeah just in the truest essence of i need someone's attention (laughs) 
Um, and and my family just thinks it's hilarious in the movie. They just think I'm a yeah. laugh riot, yeah. and I'm just d- dancing about. Look at me, <laughs> pointing at myself. He hadn't quite made the connection yet that you know yeah. show business might be the answer to this need. That that, that, that would be his life. He that, just yeah. had the need. It was just very raw. Sorry about the heat. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Right. I discovered you could study theater in college. It, it was a very uh, cultureless, tiny town. Like you went to a state school. I did. I went and to Champaign. What was the uh, the direction of choice when you started that? Well, I when I was choosing a college, that's when I discovered I met some theater students, mm-hmm. and they said, "Yeah, we study acting and plays, and then we get paid to do it in Chicago." And I said, "This is an incredible revelation." <laughs> That's what I would like and to do. And you started pointing at yourself, yeah, dancing like, around. What do you guys think? <laughs> Check this out. And, um, and, and so it, it was a great epiphany for me because I was, I was a good student and uh, I was good at sports and I played the saxophone, but nothing uh, caught my passion. And once I found out you could study that for the first time in my life, I w- aced all my tests and I desperately, voraciously consumed the material. And... Uh, and that, you know, that turned into, uh, we formed a company and we moved to Chicago and did really well. You know, we were a very uh, beloved, irreverent little theater company. That's sort of, Chicago's sort of known for that, but it's hard for something like that to stick. So it must have been pretty great because is it still around? No, we, we put in 12 years. I mean, that's uh, a long run for uh, a little theater company. I yeah. got to see one production there. Nick wasn't in it. It was after he'd already moved to Los Angeles, but it was Really, really great. Before you met him? No, after. After we met, we went to Chicago and saw one of their shows. We saw a production of uh, sci-fi action movie in Space Prison. Yeah. Was the name of the play. (laughs) Is it an original play? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. There was a whole local guy. It was our own creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a series of, the first one was action movie, the play. Yeah. And they were really fun send-ups of action movies. Was it mostly comedy? No, right? Uh, Those were, were a lot of comedy, but... It was all, it was Very all physical. It was all yeah. really intense. Either it was really intense comedy with a lot of like crazy breaking Stunts. down walls, yeah. or it was really intense like Pinner or Sam Shepard or Shakespeare. You know. Now, did you were you modeling after anything? I mean, did you go see Steppenwolf Theater, play present uh, company shows and that kind of stuff? It was very different. Yeah, we we went to see. You know, they were the the big and still are the sort of big only dog in town. Um, I ended up working there a lot as well. Uh, really? Did you do any work with Tracy Letts? Yeah, Tracy I hung out with a lot. We were contemporaries. Now, he's like, I saw that his uh, big play uh, on Broadway. Uh, I, I can never remember the oh, title of it. August, o- August Osage oh, County. August County. Yeah, August Osage County. And that's got that w- weird, dark, but almost comedic vibe to it. Every, yeah. Everything's very intense and... There's a lot of deep, horrible drama, but there's something hilariously dark That's about it. That's in Oklahoma, by the way. Oklahoma is <laughs> a hiliariously like dark place. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I meet people from Oklahoma, I'm not judging because I haven't met that many people. <laughs> but it's really one of those states where you're like, "What's happening there?" <laughs> <laughs> what? I know I, that would be hard to answer. But there's not a lot of people in Oklahoma, is there? Um, not as no. You're yeah, right. And, I mean, Oklahoma City is. Uh, gigantic uh, right. space area-wise, but the population is smaller than the... Did you have cowboys in your family? No. But you married one. We, yeah. <laughs> That's married, right. Married a Little farmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do like country music. and. Well, you sing, too. I mean, I watched you singing. You did? Where? I watched your band. <gasps> you did? On, On Ellen. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that wasn't very good. 
Yeah. Um, what was your take on that performance? That was my least favorite thing we've done that was televised. Why? Um, we couldn't hear. It just didn't oh, the sound monitors good. were bad. Yeah, we couldn't hear. It was their first week of um, shooting, and so you know they were, they hadn't ever. I don't think they'd had like many live you know music right. things happening. What's the name of the band again? Oh, it's called Supreme Music Program. <laughs> and you just put together some dudes here. And yeah, but you know it's we've been together. S- for like 13 years, so. Was this the dream, though? I mean, to be a rock girl? You know, I just... Because sort of what, what would you call it? Kind of like... Um, it's a mix of everything. It's mm-hmm. kind of more about the songs and the songwriting than it is about anything else. And so we, we you know, I'm very particular about the songs that we do and how we do them. And um, we're playing, you know, we, we, we play around and we've we've played at some pretty good places like lincoln center kennedy center seattle symphony we just played in london last year yeah and but you know we're going up to san francisco a weekend after next we're playing up there and you know we just do things here and there it's not it's a a money losing proposition for sure that's well music can be a lot of times but do you do you uh do you do you present it as like you know megan malawi and or or i try to yeah i try to just keep it the, the band because a lot of people come expecting to see karen walker like sitting on a poof drinking a martini the gay following yeah especially i'm worried about san francisco coming up because yeah but it's are you gonna give it to him no none Mm -mm. you're not going to uh i can't uh, do it no Mm -mm. okay you're not gonna pander to the gay crowd (laughs) no i can't i can't do that i get embarrassed and i feel not even gonna do the voice for a second no (laughs) (laughs) i forgot the voice really a little bit there's uh, there's so, so, something we find interesting uh, is that we are we both do uh, we have very similar theater backgrounds even though Megan's involved a lot more beautiful singing and looking beautiful um, but we're, we're, we find ourselves in this world of of comedy folk that are all sketch and improv trained or stand ups right and we're having such a great time getting to play with them and be amongst them. But that's one of the things that, you know, if we were comedians and you had this character, it would be much more likely that if you did a, a live show, you'd be like, oh, you want to see my hilarious character? Yeah, let's do a little yeah, of this. But right. because of where we come from, once you, you know, I'm not I'm not going to do Ron Swanson with my band. I'm also not going to do uh, Henry VIII, which I have also played, <laughs> you know, and people loved. You're also, you're not, not going to be making tables on, as Juan Swanson. Well, <laughs> not today, my dear. <laughs> but I mean, whether you're an actor or not, it seems that once you get, it, it gets, it's, it's very difficult on television uh, when you get known for a character and you won a couple Emmys, right? Yeah, I did. And, um, and some SAG Awards and stuff. And that's all great. And it was amazing. Right. And great writing and great, you know, experience. But I I've played so many different little character roles over the years, but that's the one that I played for eight years straight. And it's also, that that means that you have millions of people that have created this relationship with that character. I mean, some some actors, it seems, if you look at like television, they don't survive television because like you are so Im- Im- impounded into the mind of people as that person that mm-hmm. they can't they can't accept you in any other way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably the smart thing to do if you're jamming not to... Pander to us, right? Yeah, and I it, it, it's just a band. It's we don't do any, you know. I don't wear a no spangly camp. outfit <laughs> or do any powder. You know, it's not Liza. It's just it's a gr- kind of a 
you know, pretty lo-fi band, and we just do songs from, like, every genre of music and all different And people have a good time? People do quite like it, yeah. Yeah. And we, the band has its own very devoted following, which is interesting, completely separate from anything else. And who are they in general? Can you generalize? Mostly, I think, real music lovers, because it's, it's more of a... You know, most of the songs we do are pretty obscure. And And you also have a fiddle player, correct? Yeah, we have a fiddle player. We have a... That means business. You know, you're not fucking around when you have a fiddle player. Yeah, we have a pedal steel player. I mean, our pedal steel player actually plays like tuba and bass and piano. And I mean, he plays a lot of... Everybody plays a lot of different instruments. Are most of your roots like country? Well, I love country, yeah. When I love, who are your, who I love are your guys? traditional and folk, but um, we do all, everything. So we do blues, jazz, pop, rock. Who are um, your country guys? Who are the guys you like? Who are the people I like? Um, uh, George Jones. Yeah. Willie Nelson. Yeah. Um, we just saw Merle Haggard and Chris Christopherson. Like last week? Con- oh, my God. Yeah. How was that? Oh, my God. It was oh unbelievable. God. One of the best concerts I've ever seen. And Willie Nelson we once saw, too, and he was amazing. They were... It was it was deep, insane. Right? It was really deep. I mean, Merle Haggard was much more of a showman and sort of a funny like performer, like an amusing yeah, performer. Yeah, yeah. And every time Christopherson opened his mouth, I thought I was going to burst into tears. He's just got there's just he's just got this really poignant quality. He's, he's not, wasn't trying to be poignant. He I think he's is. always been that guy who was always sort of the, oh. the the deep one of the the country people. Oh my god! He's one of those dudes that's got like fifteen songs, you know, as a career thing. And they're also, it's like Leonard Cohen. He's like the Leonard Cohen of country. Oh, yeah. yeah. And their, their yeah. pedal steel player is, is 80. Yeah. And he was killing me. I mean, he's amazing. And their fiddle player was ridiculous. Well, music and, is so, it's so amazing. Because, like, I even found this, like, I am, a, like, I'm, I'm not closeted about, you know, musicals effect on me. But, like, when I was looking at your stuff, even the silly, and I hate to admit this. Well, all right, but I'm gonna go ahead. E- even the silly like uh, the Tony Awards opening. <laughs> when I see groups of people singing and dancing, I get very emotional. Like there's something about all of that happening. Like I see something very vulnerable about singing as opposed to being a stand-up or an actor. Even if you're raw as shit, you're acting. It's still that. But I guess there's something about singing to me that is just so vulnerable. Yeah, I I do love it, and um, I feel um, fortunate that singing is something that you know I, I I was always singing from the time I was little I knew every lyric to every yeah. song on the radio and could sing every song from the time I was about four or five so yeah I feel lucky because it is a big part of my sort of my emotional life in a weird way but it's 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 not something that I you know make money off of or <laughs> right I mean if I had wanted to go down that road and be um try to be a on Broadway pop forever. star or oh, something, star, I yeah. probably or a country yeah, singer. Yeah, I probably yeah. could have done that, right. but I didn't want to just be limited to one thing. And when you guys do like uh, when uh, there's some difference between. I'm not saying I could have been a big pop star. That sounds bad. I'm saying I I could have probably have had it. a career just in music. Sure. Could have been one of these people that tours around all the sure. time and just yeah. plays gigs. That's yeah. all I meant. I didn't mean I'm lady. I didn't mean I'm a big superstar. But the difference between theater you could have been sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, but then you would have had to pander to the gay following. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> there was, you're going to have to let that happen. And sing through that weird thing that makes your voice sound like a robot. Oh, that thing that makes you in tune? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Auto-tune. Auto-tune. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it. But the excitement of doing theater for both of you, I have to assume, like, when you do TV, you can keep doing takes over and over again, and the audience is very trained, and, and it's it's a completely different animal. I mean, what's, uh, in terms of, as being real actors, 
I mean, the juice of being in theater has got to be much better than television. It is for sure. I mean, uh, the the uh, the creative pay has never been equaled for me right. in, in TV or film because whether it's forty people or a thousand people in the audience, they're all telling you immediately how they react to the medicine you're giving them. Mm-hmm. Whether you're making them laugh or you're scaring the shit out of them, yeah, it's all happening right there, and that it's organic. That's yeah, that's so much more delicious because there's no editor you know there's there's no post production no bailing you either. do your bit yeah. and they yeah. say we approve yeah 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 the show must go on and, um, you, and the feeling of holding an audience like when you know theater audiences are so because you know they're there for that experience that it's it's actually when I think about theater and you think about the, the place it played in, in ancient culture and even earlier on in this culture that it's it sort of pushed to the side now but when you're actually in it you're like oh this is why this is so good well and it's know. the only one of those formats where you can tell the story from point A to point B in an unbroken arc, you know, without somebody calling cut or whatever. Yeah. What probably my favorite thing that I have ever done was this little play that I did in 2009 called The Receptionist at the Odyssey Theater, 99 seats. Here. Yeah, it was just the most satisfying experience. I was obsessed with the play and the character and the cast and the director. And it was just an an incredible, I don't know. It was just of, of a lifetime, that was it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wild? really just loved playing that character. What so was the character? She was a receptionist at a undisclosed office space in New Jersey, and she's from like Newark, and she's older, and she's not. Uh, she's she's got like a a a good humor, but um, she's physically not doing as well. And um, the play takes a big twist halfway through. It's a short, you know, once a one act. Um, takes a big twist, and then she kind of gets in some trouble at the end. There's a lot of laughter in the beginning and some tears at the end. <laughs> and what made it so compelling? Um, I was I loved the writing. Half of uh, the character never stops moving. She's on the phone all the time, and mm-hmm. she's doing stuff around the office. She's always cleaning things, and she's like a germaphobe, and. Um, the, I loved the dialogue. It's written very realistically where people cut each other off. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like Mamity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, just, uh, I just felt some kind of weird affinity with the writing and the character. And when you do, like, like this character, you both were sort of working actors for a long time. And this Parks and Rec thing is really starting to kind of define you. You okay with that? Well, uh, if, you know, if I had to trade seven to nine years of Ron Swanson for never getting another role again, uh, I, I would happily make that trade, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that it's not some bullshit doctor on like a procedural where yeah. I'm stuck doing that for nine years. Uh, it's a show that we would be huge fans of if I wasn't on it, and that's super lucky. And there's all these weird... Um, his the the sort of like trajectory that Nick is on right now is kind of almost exactly mirroring the one that I oh, went right, through with, yeah. and and he went through that period with me and he right. saw it all happen and he w- went with me like to all the things and so it's just really cool that it's happening at this in the same timing and at, and at the same ages because I'm older than Nick so when Will and Grace started I was 39 and he was 39 when he started Parks and Rec and it's just kind of an interesting so you're sitting there thing. going you're right on schedule honey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly how it happens our plan is working. <laughs> 
Isn't that so weird? Yeah, I mean, what are the chances of that happening? It's all rare. Yeah. Thank God it happened. Yeah. Thank well, I mean, God. I don't like because the other trajectory is that uh, you know he keeps getting bit parts and progressively more unhappy with his life. And well, and he, <laughs> you know, I have to say about Nick though that all during the, the the nine years before when we the nine years that we were together in our relationship, but before Parks and Rec started. Um, he he never exhibited any of those annoying actor qualities. Which can you make a list, please? Because I think they'd be helpful to my listeners. Um, you know, complete selfishness. Throwing yourself down on the floor and proclaiming that <laughs> it's over. It's over. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> was it happening in your mind, Nick? No, I mean that was a a big part of what my furniture shop was about. Um, when I got to town. I had a really happy life in Chicago, building scenery, choreographing sword fights, and acting in plays. And when I got to L.A., it came as a surprise that I couldn't have the same life here. I didn't realize. Not much calling for sword fighting? Not much, yeah. yeah. There's guys in the union that do that? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and so I immediately saw how depressing and, and what a trap uh, a young actor's life could be here. And I said, okay, I've got to find something to turn to so I'm not so I, I don't exhibit those actor traits. So you made a conscious choice, but you didn't seem to have it in you to begin with. I He's mean, not like that. He's right. not that kind of person. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, the Midwestern background, or you just... I guess. I mean, I, I, my family is really uh, really well-adjusted. They're just really salt-of-the-earth kind of people. Yeah, they and, are. And so I, I never get uh, upset about things. I... I maintain he's my calm. He's got so much equanimity, and he's really comfortable with who he is, and he he knows who he is. Well, that's a that would be it right there. So mm -hmm. you don't you don't have any missing pieces that you're looking to uh, to find through show business. Yeah. So, so your approach to it was always kind of like it, any work is good work, and uh, you know I seem to be making a, a go at this, and if if I'm upset, I got to go make a table, honey. Yeah, I never. Um, <laughs> I always had faith uh I, I had good luck where once or twice a year something would happen to sort of tell me to stick around <laughs> Feed the dream yeah yeah and um you know i did a lot of theater here in town we met in a little theater company and that you know if if i'm never able to be cast again after ron swanson uh I, i'll just do plays i mean uh, you know it's that's how you met in a, in a play mm -hmm. yeah Oh. Yeah, in 2000, um, yeah. Uh, on uh, this theater company called The Evidence Room that was on Beverly near Alvarado. Uh -huh. And uh, the company still exists, but we lost our space, but we still do. Like that play that I was talking about that I loved yeah. was directed by this guy, Bart DiLorenzo, who's the artistic director of that theater company. But, yeah, we met there, and um, we just... You know, we he was the only one who talked to me on the first day. We had we like read through the script, and, and you were a star already. I <laughs> was two years into one. Was two years right. in, yeah, and so it was on the hiatus after our second season. And I, and I, I don't know why nobody talked to me except that maybe they thought I was gonna they were gonna like ignore me before I could ignore them or mm -hmm. something. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but of course I didn't. I didn't want to ignore anybody. But he uh, he came up and he was the only one who. You know, he shook my hand and said, oh, wow, this is going to be really fun. And 
You're, and pretty, then, fu- you're pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had um, we had a bunch of scenes together, and I started thinking that he was pretty funny. Uh-oh. And um, then I started thinking, is he sexy? What's happening? And that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and he decided, it's yes, how I, I, guess. I play yeah. it. <laughs> Start with funny. I give him funny first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he he had asked me out on. He had called. Um, I had put my fax number on the 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 cast yeah. list because I didn't I don't know I mean maybe maybe I was snobby because I put my fax number on there but he had a left fax a fax number yeah this is you know in 2000 so you thought like fax. I'm not going to take any calls well, but had, if somebody wants it to. had an answer you know it had an oh, it was okay. like a regular phone right right but I didn't check it as often, and yeah. so he had called that number and asked me out on a date, but I didn't get the message till like, two weeks later. So for two weeks, he had thought I was just totally icing him. Oh, but then when you called, you didn't get the... No, <laughs> didn't get that. No. It was like a regular care. answering machine. And then he had asked me also to go see a country band, uh-huh. which was interesting. Good move, country band. And I think that was just a, a, an accident, because you didn't know at that time that I... Uh, no, but... Uh, Did pre- you know? Come on. Pretty early on, uh, you I, I knew you uh, liked singing Tom Waits, because you played me some in your car. Oh, you're playing on. Waits in the car. And also, mm-hmm. um, you sang In the Gloaming to me. I did do that. In a whispery voice in my ear. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Yeah. That was it, that right? Was, uh, the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little calculated. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't have figured though. He also was nice to my dog, and he was the only one who paid attention to my dog. Ah, and that was a big. I never even mentioned that to you, but I had this. You had this, a dog. Test? I had a new dog. Oh. who we still have. She's our dog. No. She's our dog now, and um, he was the only one who really like played with her and paid attention to her. And I thought, hmm, the father to my children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it all happened, huh? Yeah. Now you 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 tell me you're not you didn't do any sketch before you got out here in well, Chicago. How's that possible? No, no improv. Well, the crazy thing is, I even knew Amy uh, Poehler. Yeah, when yeah. she was at Second City, but but they the, were all in New York. The worlds are so disparate in the, Chicago. Yeah, between theater between, and yeah, the, the clowns. Exactly. <laughs> the, was there an attitude like that? There is. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> I you know. You, we had a couple friends that that crossed the line that played both sides of the fence, and y- there was a disdain to it where y- you'd be like, "Hey, we have a part for you in this John Guerra yeah. play," yeah. and you'd be like, oh, "I'm doing a sketch show, yeah, at yeah. Improv Olympic," <laughs> and we would say, "So you're what? You're making shit up in a bar yeah. in front of people? We're doing theater here. Yeah. Like we're changing yeah. the world." Yeah. And it, only once I got here and kind of befriended everybody and started going to these comedy theaters, yeah. I, I was like, oh, what a legitimate <laughs> yeah. genre that I completely just well, it's missed been out a, on. Yeah, it's been a huge sea change for Nick and I because we both were just sort of like journeyman actors. And then all of a sudden now, all of our friends are people who have either a stand-up or a like full-on sketch comedy background right? Yeah. or improv background. So it's changed everything for us, and those are those are now the people that I mean. I I feel like the comedy community out here is amazing, and I don't think there's anything like it anywhere else because you know it's so far-reaching, and there are so many you know different little branches of it, but everybody seems to sort of know everybody else, and everybody gives each other jobs, and everybody is supportive of. of each other's work and yeah that's I mean a, I, you just don't find that in other aspects of the business yeah I, I'm sure there's some other cliques of the same 
<laughs> but you know, yeah. the, it seems like you're dealing with the the healthier comedy people. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a bitterness available. Believe me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but we you could, know, we could find. Uh, uh, oh the, yeah, the pockets yeah. of toot. So both of your characters are such deep comedic characters. I mean, the one Karen was like, you know, made some serious choices. You knew it was funny there. You just had it instinctively. I I tried to just follow my instincts because I thought, well, if I think it's funny, then let me try it. And, and then the audience is there, and you got laughs. Yeah, and there was a weird point where they didn't write. They didn't really write as much for my character because yeah. I was the second, you know, third, fourth banana. And um, at a certain point, like a f- several episodes, many up, you know, maybe halfway through the first season or something, I made an entrance. My first entrance in that episode, and the studio audience started like screaming and clapping. Oh, you were the uh, the breakout hit. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it was just quite a shock, right. to me, and I think everyone else, you know, working on the show. And um, but that that was from then on. Um, you that want, kind of thing would happen. The character just sort of people responded to that character. I'm not even sure why, but you pulled. You went Kramer on him. You did the yeah. entrance. <laughs> well, like, that's where yeah, it but I mean, right? Yeah, but I wasn't <laughs> doing like a crazy entrance. I just was simply opening the door. But you know, yeah, I don't know what that was, but it did happen. And with uh, with Swanson, this guy, like, he seems to be the kind of uh, you know the he seems to almost to ground the show. Well, I mean, I mean, it's a yeah. There's an amazing caster. I'm not taking anything away from anyone else, but what you can do with uh, a series of looks. Is uh, is is a rare thing in uh, in in comedy acting, <laughs> and are you conscious of that? Uh, I suppose I am. I mean, something uh, that I think attracted Megan and I to each other is that we both uh, have often been considered weird, and the choices <laughs> that we've made over our, our our careers. Generally, people are like, "You guys are weird. Like, you, you you're not coming in here and acting like." people are supposed to we always make sort of out of the box choices and for a lot of my life i've been told like everything i do with ron swanson has been a problem even famously in our house i i I would test for nbc pilots over the years and they would say no you talk too slow you're too intense and scary and weird. And then eventually <laughs> eventually they were like, we found this guy. He yeah. talks too slow. <laughs> He's too intense and weird. We're, we're, we're geniuses. Um, so, yeah, I am. The same thing happened to me, you know. Yeah. I mean, really? Like, what they say about well, you? Well, I would go in with these really crazy characters, uh-huh. you know, and people would just look at me like they look a little, like they were, I, I had actual times where I, went in and auditioned for some part on a sitcom and they were like, okay, well, thank you very much for coming in. And the door would close behind me and I would hear them break out into like nervous laughter. That's like they the had narrowly avoided yeah. some kind of incident <laughs> with the crazy woman. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and then of course, like Will and Grace, I thought, okay, don't do weird voice. Don't do all that shit at the beginning because you'll get fired. So I kind of like that high voice kind of came, uh, I kind of threaded it in Mm -hmm. over the course of time. Now, did you have any sort of uh, precedence in your head in being in a comedy ensemble on a show like that that would, that kind of said like, well, this, this, this character, because like, it seems to me that like on television and ensemble cast that, you know, you get almost like a Commedia dell'arte thing that there's people that play certain types. Mm -hmm. Did you have anything in your mind? Not really. No, I, I, uh. You know, even though it, it's, I guess, notable that neither of us come from any sort of comedy training, 
when when you're in the theater, you do a lot of comedy. I mean, a lot of yeah. hilarious comedy, and we both love performing comedy. And so, we certainly had an idea of what was funny. Um, and I I don't I, I had no precedent going into this. Uh, I, I think that um, you know Mike Sure has talked about our, our show creator uh, has talked about Cheers uh, and and with with uh, my character and Amy's. He's talked about Lou Grant and Mary Tyler Moore, but I, I think it's sort of an amalgam for him. I don't have a great um, wealth of popular culture knowledge. I haven't seen a lot of TV. And so I just, my precedent would be stern, overbearing, uh, authoritarian, and like bubbly, effervescent, you know, ambitious deputy. Now, what does most of the comedy when you play it? Does it, you know, when you have a script? I mean, the, this character seems because I I can never get an answer or quite figure it out on my own. That when when comedians or comic actors, I mean, you're playing it straight on some level. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to. The character has to be earnest. It has to be. For me, you. For me, I I play comedy as if it were drama. Right. That's what makes it funnier or the super. But it's just more exaggerated. It's like. When you're happy, you're the happiest, and when you're sad, you're the saddest. And that's a that's a conscious that's choice. That's what makes it to me funnier. And outside know? of that, it's the script. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the because, writing is because like I'm always because you seem to be you know, now when I sit with you, it's it's different. But I mean, there's rare people that that character that you're playing now. It it almost seems that he cannot not be funny. <laughs> That that there's <laughs> that there's just something about the being of that guy mm -hmm. that there's never going to be a moment where you're like oh what the fuck what's happened he seems upset because even that's Man, funny I, ho I hope so and, I hope you're right and, <laughs> no, I am right but I just don't know if that's a, an intentional thing or it's just a commitment to character like I I just don't know how somebody is constantly funny I don't know I mean I I can only uh, I can only attribute that to Greg Daniels and Mike right. Schur for coming up with th this character and I happened to, to come around and they were, were like, oh, this guy's flavor with this genius idea we have could really work. Um, but, I, you know, they are geniuses and I'm, I can make funny faces. <laughs> and I, I try to keep <laughs> that in mind. You're underselling yourself. But, um, you know, <laughs> Nick has the most unbelievable, unbelievably, you know, like, rabid online fan following that I've ever I mean I don't I don't know because I guess we don't follow everybody else online but no. oh my god I mean just every blogger and every everybody and what's is it, what's, slavishly devoted. what's the feedback I mean what is it that they fan are you art and all that well, the weird yeah the weird thing is like I think we're we are it's worth mentioning that we're sort of purposefully Luddites. Uh, we got we got our first computer in 2003, mm -hmm. and to this day we share one original email address. Mm -hmm. And and as as uh, social networking, we're not on Facebook, yeah, as all Twitter. that has developed, we've just eschewed it because we don't want to. We, we don't have enough time to spend with our friends as it is. You like, don't want to be slaves to it. Yeah, oh God, just answering like emails so is or felt a, a huge like drag. Diminish your being. Oh, but but so, so like on our show, I'm very aware that Aziz, as uh, part of his stand-up career, really works oh, yeah. Twitter and Facebook, and it's a big part of his business. Yeah, and so I think somebody like Aziz or Cordry has a has a major sort of following. Uh, what's going on with Ron Swanson it seems different in that he sort of specifically seems to inspire 
weird outsider art mm-hmm. pieces. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Which is so really I'm fun. Really elaborate. Yeah, I, I get I get things like that too. That that oh weird mosaic. Oh my god, that's yeah. amazing. And yeah. and I get <gasps> like yeah, I I don't know what. That's amazing. Isn't that that's, wild? The woman made a, a a mosaic of me. And, and I think you're better looking than that mosaic. Well, I, I mean, do love it. Mo- mosaics are not a very forgiving art form. <laughs> 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 yeah. it, it definitely adds yeah. about ten pounds or so yeah. in rocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I, I, I don't quite know what. It, all I've come to believe is that I'm happy that it's inspiring people. Yeah, that's uh, what it comes down to. Is I'm really glad that my work is getting to an audience and and they're enjoying it. You know, do you feel like they're appreciating you for you, or that you know, Swanson has taken on this life of his own? Well, has he come to represent something? I I, I think in the sort of superficial world of of, a, of TV, uh, most of the audience would probably say, no, it's all about Ron Swanson. It's all about uh, Superman. You know, Clark Kent, whatever. Um, but I can still feel uh, very satisfied because without me, I can know that Ron Swanson, you know. Yeah, and you could probably put. Yeah, I'm sure that like you, you, you could probably be a pretty menacing heavy if you wanted. Oh yeah. You remind me. You remind me. You know Mike Chickless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you, are you guys friends? No, I've never met him, but I really was upset when he got to play Ben Grimm in the Fantastic Four. Well, that was your role, right? It's the only superhero <laughs> with like a with a big head. So all these years, I was like, someday they're gonna make the Fantastic Four, yeah. and I'm gonna be the one saying it's clobbering time. <laughs> I'm sorry that didn't no. happen for you. you, and know, you what? Oh, I was just gonna say that something that we talk about a lot. That's a big. Th- thing for us a big change for us is that up until um just the last like maybe five years even not even four or five years um everything you know if you're an actor on television or even in film um you there was no improvisation it was not allowed Uh i mean back in the day like because i've lived here since 1985 so back in the day i mean if you changed one word you were just like summarily dismissed and now it's like if you don't improvise every scene completely then you're then you're in trouble so it's completely changed and i love it i mean i love the fact that it's so much looser now you get more collaborative and almost every job i've gotten since will and grace has has been either completely improvised or strongly improvised or improvised improv- improvisation is encouraged and that happens on Parks and Rec oh yeah really I didn't realize that because I've talked to Amy and I got the feeling that a lot of it is pretty you know it is I mean the scripts are so good that right we rarely need to improvise mm-hmm. but usually at the end of every scene we do what's called a fun run and and we've learned, you know, to choose your moments. Like when you have a talking head where it's just you talking to the camera and say you have a paragraph of like, here's eight things I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> they always give you eight amazing ones, but you can usually bring in three other ones, especially somebody like Amy, you know, can pull 20 out of her fanny. Right. And so it's really, Greg Daniels has this great rule that on day one, he told us all, it's really important that anything you feel like you want to do or say at any moment you can it's okay and by giving us that freedom that you can't you can't screw it up if you get the words wrong right. or something uh i think it really helps with the creativity of the show because 
there's, there's usually one or two moments in every episode where somebody just had was like, oh my god, at the end of the scene, if I break this coffee cup on my face, and it and that's that's Chris Pratt, and yeah. he's right, it's yeah. the funniest thing in the world, <laughs> and it's so oh, so there's a lot of elements of surprise on there. Yeah, can you think of one that was completely uh, mind blowing? Well, yeah, I mean Pratt always gets me the worst. Um, there there was one scene that he wasn't even in. Uh, Amy and Rashida were in Amy's office and everybody has the flu and Rashida is a nurse and she's telling Leslie the character you've got to go to the doctor you got to go to the hospital and get a flu shot and Amy's in denial she's like no I've got to take care of all this parks business I, yeah. I, I'm not sick and as she went rushing out through the bullpen area Pratt was sitting at Aubrey's computer and he just said to her in passing uh, Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the computer, and it says you you have network connectivity problems. And it was it was the you know funniest thing in the episode. And Pratt just you know he just thought of it, and they always keep rolling. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it got in. But we, we've also learned that our the writing is so good uh, that it's all we can do to cram the script into a 22-and-a-half-minute right. episode. That yeah. was the same on um, Party Down. We would do a lot of improvisation, but then they would end up sticking pretty close to the scripts because the scripts were um, mostly on – well, for, um, part of it on that show was they just had a really fast turnaround, so they didn't have time to, like – that's, I'm know, so sad that that show story. didn't. Uh, Me too. No, yeah. but we so might great. be doing a movie this summer. So Is that true? Yeah. So that's exciting. That's really exciting. Yeah. Now, when you guys work together on Parks and Rec, do you improvise? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, we have to do a lot of improvisation because we have to do a lot of physical improvisation. Yeah. We, have to, we have to do a lot of disturbing, like make out techniques and things. <laughs> So, <laughs> but we destroyed a diner in Burbank. We, we literally <laughs> I threw Megan on the diner a booth table to have sex, and we ripped it out. And of then the I wall. tore the table off the wall with me still on top of it. <laughs> and then, like that very first scene, the very first scene that I ever shot on Parks was um, where we come screeching right after that in the story. We 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 ran out to his car, his crazy weird sports car and mm -hmm. we sc sc screech into the parking lot of a motel and I decided right as we were pulling up I said I'm going to take my shirt off so I threw my it was 6 in the morning on Monday and I hadn't met anybody yet <laughs> and um, I threw my bra out the car window as we are pulling in and then as we were running in I, I pulled off my sweater and they left it in they just like put a big <laughs> dot over my boob <laughs> and then the director came up and said hi I'm so and so I'm Troy Miller and that was <laughs> and really, the, pretty interesting. The crew is just crazy about Megan ever since that scene. <laughs> I, I can't understand that. It's uh, weird. I don't know. It's uh, the power of the boob. They love when she walks through the door. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. what, you, Megan? What do you got? Uh, what's going on right now? What, yeah. Oh, I'm doing Children's Hospital. Um, you both did, right? Yeah, but I had Cordry in here. That's a great show. Yeah, I've been a regular on that since the beginning, and Nick was a regular when we did it as a web series. But he's not able. He's only able to do like one or two episodes a year now because of you know the NBC that's so awesome that you're doing that that you had this sort of uh, mainstream sitcom success and now you're, you're both sort of deeply ingrained in the uh, <laughs> the weird alt comedy sketch bizarro right. world <laughs> right. I agree the weirder the better um 
And uh, yeah, and we've both actually done a few movies recently. We've and we've been in three of them together, but not in scenes together. We just happen to be cast in the same movies. Is that a is deal that you make now? Where it's like I ain't doing it if she ain't doing we it. We are kind she... of turning into the Lunt and Fontaine of, sort of, of yeah. comedy <laughs> actors. Well, that's good. Uh, it is really good. It is. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming. It was great talking to you. Oh, thanks so, so much. Thank you Mark. for having us. Oh, you God. bet. Now, do we do the threesome now? Yeah, uh, yeah. Go. Love in the garage. Megan Mullally, Nick Offerman. What a great talk that was. Love. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride the vibe of their connection and just try to be okay with it. Me, my own love. That's our show. Go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. My schedule is there. See you at Acme in Minneapolis. This weekend, Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Gilda Fest the following weekend. Uh, you can also get on my mailing list. You can get the app. You can go to the uh, WTF Premium on iTunes and pick some a la carte episodes you might need. JustCoffee.coop. Kick in a few shekels. If you get the uh, WTF blend, I get a little on the back end. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. God, I wish this air conditioner were better out here. <laughs>